Chapter to one, life in shambles. I remember running up seven flights of stairs, fast as I could, trying to get away from some young thug I knew was trying to hurt me. He was trying to take my money from my aunt that my aunt gave me and beat my ass because I couldn't wouldn't give it to him. Bidding was in shambles, the trash all over the floor, boards and thick bricks everywhere. A common sight in the seventies in Harlem. At one point I felt I'd never make it. Finally arrived at my aunt's apartment door, trying to to get safely. I started desperately banging on the door to get inside the apartment and my aunt wouldn't let me in. She peeked out and saw that someone was following me. But instead of opening the door, she said, Thomas, you see those balls right there? Just pick it up and defend yourself. I did, and I sent a kid to the hospital. Because of an argument that started over a couple of dollars. At age of six, I had my first taste of violence. I like to say I'm scared. I felt guilty. But the truth is, after seeing what I did to that guy, at a time when I beat him with a board, it felt good. I don't. I didn't feel any remorse. I didn't feel any sorrow for what I did. What I did feel was pride, a strange feeling of accomplishment, being able to take care of myself. I felt like a champion. People say some events shape your life. I don't know if it's a peculiar event, particular event, changed me, or if it just exposed me, what it would have eventually turned into. I finally got inside the apartment and started talking to my aunt. She managed engaged me in learning how to box, how to do martial arts. I wasn't long until the kid, family of the kid I'd been up was looking for revenge. So my aunt's friends told me that it was best for me to go out. I moved back in with my family in a town called Emmerar. My parents were less afraid because I had six sisters and three brothers. I fell somewhere towards the end of the chronologically. as the most difficult to handle. My mother and father married for 58 years. My father, Donald Clayton Brayford, was a military man, not very tall, not but well-toned and very handsome, in a presence that defended demonic respect. He's an alcoholic and often abusive to all his children. He hit us and voluntarily abused us when he was drunk. As a child, I could not feel, did not feel abused. I never looked at him in his terrible parent who took did not take care of his children because he was drunk. It didn't mean he wasn't, but he wasn't. But in since I everyone around our neighbourhood lived in same conditions, most adults in my life were like him or worse. The situation did not phase me. It was our normal. That was the amazing thing about human minds. We were able to adapt to survive. One interesting thing about my father was that even being an alcoholic, he was also very political. He's the president of the local NAACP chapter involved in the Knights of Columbus, the world's largest Catholic fraternal service organisation. He belonged to several organisations and clubs. He's very articulate. In fact, at times, he made us read as psychopedias on dictionary to look up things which, coming from someone like him, Seemed very, may seem strange. The thing is, movies and TVs lead us to believe that people are like the factual characters we are. They're either the hero or the villain. But humans are way more complex than that. And Daniel, Donald Blood, Blood, Blainford was as complex as you get. My mother, Harriet Lee Bayford, was the cream of the crop. She was short and fair skinned with jack black hair. 
She looked like a movie star and could not could have been one. She had an effect and class that did not fit the lifestyle said said assigned to her. My grandmother's parents was not family was very poor. My grandfather mother was white and my grandfather was black. They both worked at the restaurant circuit in the fifties. In those days there was a lot there was a lot of racism, so you never paid well. They were also alcoholics and from what that was some physical abuse. My mother dropped out of school at the age of 17 and married my father. He encouraged her to get a GED and driver's license. The most remarkable part was that even while suffering from multiple sclerosis, she raised ten children, kids, eight who were hers and two who were her grandchildren. As time went on, she took on this burden, raising two more grandchildren. She practically raised us alone because my father's heart usually out. She held the house together or at least she tried. My house in MMR, on the east side of town, is a big house with holes on the roof. When it was rained, we put out hold rusted metal buckets on the floor to catch the raindrops coming through the spring ceiling. My bed was torn with piss stains and springs coming out the mattress. We had old wooden floors and buckles underneath. A whole house always so kind of slanted that black and white television with coat hangers and an antenna served as the only method of entertainment. It barely worked. My clothes were handy man down, hand downs, and sometimes I had to wear my sister's clothes, which were too big. Too big. I was made fun a lot. You know what? That you are not doing well in life when you live in a bad neighborhood where everyone around you is poor. Not even they look, and even they look down on you. Apparently, it's a human nature to feel better about ourselves by putting others down. There were times when we couldn't afford blankets. My mother would share her blankets and give us her clothes. We often didn't have heat, and somehow she managed to keep us alive. She would give us, get us up for school, and she would scramble to feed us. I remember being at school, and at one point we were asked to draw an animal in a nature setting. I drew a dog staying up at two feet and dressed in a suit and tie with a brim hat on. A hat dog held a can of booster and smoked a blunt. In my natural shutting, I equated my own reality. One, I did not want to leave because I, when I did, the whale world smacked me in the face. A dog event served as foretelling to a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists. They even an instant at one point when I was in a fight in the playground. Ernie Davis's junior high school. A vice principal came over to break the fight. I picked him up and slammed me on the back. Of course, I was suspended. I just I didn't have respect for authority. Teachers really didn't pay much attention to me, as you what you would call me, as what you what you might call a class clown, or might. I felt like I was hope, just hopeless. My father was very pretty collectible in those days. Not. Many people realise how much my father drank and what happened when he did. Plus, back then, you didn't really talk about much that was going on at home. I was often so scared that my dad and I were pissed, that I pissed the bed before I could, I did not want to use a bathroom when he came home drunk. He would wake me up in the middle of the night and the beatings would start. I tried to be so afraid. I used to be so afraid of my father, so scared I didn't even want to go home. Sometimes I would get beat for things I didn't even do. So I would stay up 
till like three or four in the morning and try to sneak in. I remember one time I stayed out till three, like three or four in the morning and tried to sneak in. I remember one time when all the doors to the house were locked, all the windows locked as well. So I took the ladder and laid on the side of the house. I was staying up and sat the house to be able to climb through the second store window, which led to the bedroom. I was got in, turned the light, and to my surprise, there was my father. He asked me where I'd been. I set out with Dave, Dave and them. And then, I guess I might have smelt like alcohol, because he said, You've been drinking again, haven't you, you little knicker? Heard the name so much, the old little devil, I began to think that was my name, at least my nickname. My father punched me and beat me yet again. Early morning, he hit me so hard, I was even bleeding my mouth. It was always an arse-kicking or beat-down with him that came to me. I remember one time when I even threw me up against a burning stove. I guess that time back, at that time back, that's just what how kids got punished. I forgot even my father now. I'm grateful for the good things that he did try to install me for his many contradictions and and that will he really made to help better the community. But I am mostly grateful that he, before he died, I could pray for him and lead him to. My Saviour, Jesus Christ. I was about 13 years old when I finally stopped pissing the bed. Kids would make fun of me because I smelt like piss. Their talks also got me stronger and more violent, which of course got me into more trouble. Teachers, my parents, the law, you name it, I was in trouble. Everyone. My father thought I was, it was best to transform me to Catholic school, but new school didn't help because I was such a troublemaker. At that point in my life, I think one is that being could be other things, more powerful things, a human being. I didn't think there was God, there was a God, because if he existed, he'd almost forgotten about me. He'd failed me, just like every adult in my life. Deep down, the emptiness bothered me, and it was one of the reasons I acted out with drugs, violence and alcohol. I couldn't concentrate on a Catholic school, and was left to go, find something or someone more more exciting. My father tried to get me help with a psychiatrist and probation people he knew, but it didn't work. I finally got sent back to Ernie, Ernie Davis Junior High School.